Welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm Coach Sammy, and I am so glad you are here. The teen years can be fun and exciting, but also filled with self-doubt, insecurities, and lots of frustration. I am here to help you along your teen journey and make sure you enjoy your teen years as much as possible. Let's get started. All right, you guys, welcome to the podcast today. I have a, another wonderful, amazing guest on with us today. Allison Stoner is on the podcast today. Allison was a Disney star growing up and has played roles in The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, Cheaper by the Dozen, Camp Rock, and my kids are actually a big fan, Allison, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So The things that you're doing right now are really amazing, and I wanted you to come on the podcast today to talk about them, Um, but I also want you to share your story with the teens that are listening because you do have a really amazing story of overcoming some hard things, lots of struggles, and you're doing some amazing things for teens and the youth right now to help them. So how about you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about your story and what you're, what you're working on these days. Of course. Well, my name is Allison. I'm originally from Ohio. I started uh, dancing when I was three years old and then performing in Hollywood when I was just seven years old. And from the outside in, you know, we saw all of these exciting opportunities to perform and do things that I really enjoyed. Um, However, I wasn't aware of the toll it was taking on my health and some of the health issues that I ended up developing in response to living a very, you know, perfectionistic, high-performing, stressful lifestyle. So I, you know, experienced what it was like to manage an eating disorder and experienced dissociation, which meant, you know, just disconnecting and almost numbing out or going offline, as I call it, um, and feeling like I was quite disconnected from my body and how I was feeling. And over time, I realized, hey, I need to I need to learn some tools to manage the stress and so I can not only feel better, but also show up in life and not feel like my life is getting smaller and smaller and shrinking and shrinking. And so not only did I start um, therapy, but then I also went on to get some certifications and really educate myself on the mind-body connection and And what was most exciting was to realize that each of us have such a unique story of how our minds and bodies work. And if we understand how they operate, then we can not only, you know, manage the overwhelming moments in our day, but we also can change that story and tell a new story that allows us to feel confident in who we are and to pursue challenging goals and to form you know, safe and trusting friendships and to have, you know, a much more rounded quality of life than how I used to feel, which was just like stuck and overwhelmed all the time. So as I learned to manage my anxiety and, you know, garnered the skills to help share tools, I ended up starting a company called Movement Genius. And it's all about strengthening the mind-body connection. And what I love is that you know, well-being looks different on everyone and feels different every day. So this is about learning what you need in that moment and having the tools to help you feel better. Yeah, I love it. And I've watched some of your trainings on it. And here on the podcast, 
I talk a lot about our thoughts and our thoughts being connected to our feelings, but I love how you go into like the deep body work and Mm -hmm. the somatic part of trauma and abuse and just, you know, really getting into your body and healing your body through your program and, you know, yeah, strengthening that mind and body connection. I want the teens to hear a little bit about your struggles and how you've overcome them. Sure. I mean, (laughs) you could add a lot of things to this list, of course. (laughs) Uh, Give us the Cliff Notes version. (laughs) Yeah, struggles to talk about. But I think something I didn't have language for growing up I didn't know that it was anxiety that I was experiencing, but my mind um, had a lot of intrusive thoughts and I I found myself quite obsessive. Um, I used to have what felt like um, an an interviewer in my head questioning why I was doing things and I would try to explain myself to myself in my head. And I was in this constant mental loop, over-explaining myself, hoping I felt understood inside my head and also by other people. And, you know, I was also quite perfectionistic and I realized that that was kind of an attempt to try to control outcomes and and to, you know, hope that I was doing the right thing, which would, I thought, help me feel calmer. Turns out it doesn't always work like that. Um, but in terms of what was happening in my body when I felt anxious, you know, I just often had a tightness in my chest and I felt almost like I couldn't take a full deep breath. My palms were often really sweaty in new situations, and I have this habit of biting the inside of my cheek. And now I know whenever I do that to check in with myself, it usually means I'm experiencing anxiety. And socializing, even though my job was to perform in front of people, I felt so, and I think a lot of folks too, feel so awkward going into new environments, wondering, will I fit in? I don't know what to say or how to act. What do I wear? You know, will I be cool enough? And so, I used to respond by kind of trying to either make myself come across as, you know, perfect on the outside, like I had it all together, or I would just, like I said, dissociate and kind of check out and I would almost collapse. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when I would have, let's say, a tough conversation with a friend or a parent, sometimes my body would get so overwhelmed that it would almost just shut off. Like it would decide I can't be in this conversation anymore. And it was almost like I'd get tired on cue, even though I had plenty of sleep, and then I wouldn't be able to stay in it and stay in the discomfort. I would just shut off. And so I think one of my biggest journeys and lessons has been how can I learn to experience you know, a powerful or uncomfortable emotion without numbing out and actually having the resilience to say, okay, I can stay through this. We can figure out how to process, express, release, and move forward. And now it feels like a superpower because anything can happen in a day. And I'm like, okay, I I know what to do. I don't have to, you know, let this ruin the entire day or change how I see myself. I can get to know what's going on and, you know, validate it, make sure my body knows, like, hey, this is this is normal. I understand why it's happening. But also, you don't have to get stuck here. Um, That kind of experience is so empowering because you feel like you can take on the worlds, you know, because you're like, okay, I've got I've got the toolkit now. Bring it on. 
Yeah. You did such a good job of explaining anxiety and emotions. And just when you were talking about how there's that voice in your head that you almost like have to answer to, or it's that conversation that you're having with somebody. Oftentimes I refer to anxiety as like our inner bully that we're Mm -hmm. constantly trying to like, I don't know if negotiate is the right word, but almost like to justify Mm. (laughs) or to have to answer to that inner bully. Like, why are you doing this? You know? And I think that even at my age, I still have to answer to that inner bully a lot of times to be like, okay, I'm taking a nap because I'm tired. Right. Mm. Like (laughs) it's okay if I take a nap, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting if you were to give your anxiety a personality or two or three, I've found that I have multiple parts of me that show up in anxious ways. You know, there's the inner bully and critic, but there's also kind of the inner fearful worrier who's just so scared that something's going to go wrong. So they're trying to think ahead to what could go wrong and prevent it. You know, there's another part of the anxiety that's like, oh, wow, if I get good grades, you know, that means I'll be able to get into a good school and get a good job. But if I don't, something might go wrong or I might fail. And so I found it really helpful to journal from these different parts. And instead of thinking that I am, you know, my anxiety entirely, I'm able to see these individual parts and usually you can trace them back to when they first formed. Usually like you had an experience where, you know, after you experienced maybe failure and your body said, oh, I never want to feel this again. That part came online and said, okay, in order to protect you from making this mistake, we're going to have this anxious response. And in a way it was trying to help you at the time, but in reality, sometimes it's not the most helpful strategy. So I found that when you get to know these parts, you can then also kind of observe them at a distance instead of feeling like you're totally overtaken by them. It's the difference between feeling like anxiety has, you know, crawled into the front seat and taken the steering wheel and taken over versus, okay, you are a passenger in here, but I'm still driving And I can hear you. Thanks for letting me know we're supposed to turn left or turn right. I'll make the final decision, but I appreciate your input. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you describe describe it so well. One thing that you said that I think is really, really important is that a lot of youth, they don't have the vocabulary to describe really what's going on. And just like you, and I had this too, where I was like, I didn't even know I was experiencing anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like I had no idea what was going on. I didn't even really know that I felt horrible Mm -hmm. until I started to feel better. (laughs) Right. 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 And so I think for many teens, it's tricky because they just feel the way that they feel, but they don't realize like, Hey, something's going on here. And so how can teens be aware that, you know, maybe, maybe I do need to, you know, journal out my thoughts, or maybe I am feeling like that tightness in my stomach or in my chest all the time. What advice do you have to teens to just learn how to recognize those things inside their bodies? Sure. So I think one of the most powerful feelings that I experience. some people call it like, you know, 
stepping into your power or like reclaiming your autonomy over your health and well-being. For me, it actually was a lot about building trust with myself because I realized on a lot of occasions, maybe my body had been giving me signals, but I wasn't really paying attention to them or I didn't know how to respond. So they just got ignored or set aside. And so for me, a lot of this process was removing the judgment around what I was thinking or feeling and first just learning how to listen and notice and find words that sometimes aren't the precise technical label, but maybe it's like, okay, this feeling, I don't know what the name is, but is there a color or a shape or a size? Does it feel jagged or smooth? Like finding other adjectives that sometimes later can help you understand, oh, here's that tingly feeling again. Now I understand that that might be anxiety. And also on top of it, just because we have labels, you know, I want to be careful that when we use the term anxiety, we don't automatically jump to a negative conclusion and say, uh-oh, this is bad. We need to get rid of it because life, as we know, if you're growing and you're facing challenges, some stress is totally normal and even healthy. Some anxiety is a totally normal response to new environments. So you don't want to find yourself, you know, contracting and 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 not feeling like you can show up in the world. You just want to learn, ah, okay, when I'm feeling anxious, then what do I do during these moments to enable me to still move forward? You might find, okay, today it actually was so intense that I pushed too far and I need to set a boundary. But sometimes it might actually be, okay, this is nerve-wracking, but I can use this tool to help calm down my nervous system, shake out some of the stress, and I can still move forward. And I know that after I you know, get through this, I'm going to be so glad that I grew in this way. So I would say as you're getting to know yourself, making sure that we create space to not automatically judge something as good or bad or right or wrong, but maybe thinking in terms of, hmm, is this helping me feel more whole and capable or less um, whole and a little less stable? And does this strategy feel effective and like it's helping my overall health or does it feel like mm, it kind of it kind of works for a moment, but it's actually creating more problems later? Like just really start to get curious. And the more you learn about yourself and how you operate, the more you can also communicate that to someone else when you're trying to ask for help. You know, if if you end up um, seeking therapy, uh, which I'm so, so glad that I started really young. Um, I was a teenager and I'm, oh, it, it changed my life. But even if you don't have access to a therapist, you can still chat with, you know, other trusted adults or people whose lives reflect that kind of wholeness that you're seeking and and you can say, hey, I'm noticing these things, you know, let's talk through them. And the difference is then you have a conversation you can grow versus there's something wrong with me. I can't do anything about it. And I guess that means my life is over, right? Like I'm broken. Right, right. Like and and so some mantras that I remind myself all the time in terms of feeling broken is I'll say that 
the phrase, I'm whole even when I feel broken. I am whole even when I feel broken. Yeah. Oh, I love that. As far as strategies go, what have been your favorite ones to use? Yeah, this is this is actually the fun part. It doesn't always feel fun up front because you're like trying to figure out, uh-oh, I feel horrible. What can I do to, to feel better as quickly as possible? But after you practice a couple of strategies and you find what works for you, oh, it's so empowering. The first one for me, I noticed that if I was feeling really stressed out and I just told myself to relax or take deep breaths, I often got more stressed out. And so I used a technique called progressive muscle relaxation, which is essentially you you know pick an area of the body and you actually lean into the tension. And it's almost like you can picture squeezing, wringing out a towel, like you're you're putting all your effort into holding and contracting those muscles. And then after about eight seconds, you release everything from 100 to zero. So you feel what it's like to have the tension, but then also the relaxation. And the beautiful trick here is when you memorize how the relaxation feels later when you get stressed again, you notice it sooner and you can guide your body to that relaxed state again. Um, So that's one. And then another It's so simple, but it's so effective. I'll put on a song and I will shake my body from head to toe just to move some of that stressful energy or emotion through my system. Otherwise, it might get stuck. And then later, I don't know why I'm like extra moody or I'm like snapping at people or my body aches and I'm tired. Well, you had a bunch of emotions that you never let get expressed. So something as simple as shaking and stretching can help move that through your system. Yeah. And by the way, you guys, Allison is an amazing dancer. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So (laughs) look up some videos, (laughs) Allison dancing. They're pretty cool. (laughs) Thankfully, you don't have to be a dancer to feel better with movement though. So you can do this whether you're seated or standing. Um, yeah, there's no judgment on what the movement looks like. Just move your body, right? Yeah, totally. Thankfully, that's the case for people like me because I am not a dancer. (laughs) Everybody can dance. It's just a different (laughs) language. We all speak our own languages. So, um, question for you. Why do you think so many of our teens, I know you grew up a little bit differently. You were working as a child and as a teen, but why do you think so many of our teens now struggle with mental health, even though they're not in the spotlight? Mm, Well, interestingly, you may not be in the spotlight in Hollywood. However, young people are growing up in public more than ever. And I read this great book by Devorah Heitner, I believe her name is, called Growing Up in Public. And it talks about what it means to be exploring your identity while also posting and sharing it on social media and what that feels like where you're kind of creating this permanent record so people can see and maybe next week you almost feel embarrassed that you wore that outfit, but it's there and you either have to delete it or... You know, and then you think about, well, are people liking and commenting on on this version of myself or should I change it to, to look differently? And and so, you know, figuring out all of the things that come with just social media alone, I think, is overwhelming. 
And then also um, the sheer information input that we have as a globally connected society now means that we're flooded all day, every day with a ton, a ton of different topics, ton of different emotional tones in, in news coverage. And, you know, you can scroll and in one minute, if you scroll 10 times, you can have 10 completely unrelated posts about different things that are happy, sad, you know, scary, uh, profound. And we rarely take time to process. We just keep scrolling. So it makes so much sense that it would feel overwhelming after a while. And then also, because we can spread information, we're way more aware of what's happening in the world and in the country and in our communities. And there are a lot of real crises that we're facing and we're trying to resolve. And so I think as a young person, you're like, wow, I'm coming into a world that's got a lot of issues and people are turning to me to be the solution in the future. Like, that's not fair. So, you know, when I hang out and spend time with young people or I'm teaching classes, we talk a lot about just like how much it feels like it's never ending. There's just so much going on all the time and how important it is to create sort of a counter balance and to be intentional about when you'll have downtime when you're not on technology and when you you'll have time just to be alone in a in a helpful way uh when you'll have time just with community where it's very caring and loving and it's not you know competitive or like dramatic like you really have to be intentional nowadays otherwise life can feel like a, a blurry overwhelming thing all the time yeah and i feel like with teens there's because of social media there's just like that concentrated comparison mm-hmm. issue that even i get stuck <laughs> it's not just teens it's me even yeah. i get get like my my brain will get on this like comparison loop you know which i wanted to ask you like as far as like eating disorders go and i i work with so many girls that you know struggle with eating struggle with their body image and the whole social media aspect what advice do you have for girls that are struggling to love their bodies and have a good relationship mm-hmm. with food ah well so <laughs> i know in- that is a tough one <laughs> yeah instead of giving advice i kind of want to become co-conspirators for a second. And I want to think about, you know, media messages and companies who sell, you know, diet products and uh, films and kind of what they're selling. And for a moment, think about how if we keep believing what they're selling, it's helping them make a lot of money but their motives aren't actually for us to be healthy. Their motives are for us to depend on their product so they can keep making money. So in a way, one of the things that actually kind of woke me up from being really obsessive was to recognize, oh, this is a part of a larger machine that is putting pressures on all of us in a variety of ways. And actually, 
by me learning how to heal, I'm not only feeling better and, and freer in my own life, which is amazing and enough in itself, but I'm also recognizing that I'm I'm not being as controlled by media. I'm not falling into messages from companies. Like I'm actually getting smarter, wiser. I'm almost rebelling against, you know, companies who might prefer that I stay stuck. So that seemed to activate a different motivation when I recognized, oh, it's not just me in my own individual world thinking that I have something wrong with me. There's a larger system that's created this and I don't have to participate in that. And the beautiful thing is there are so many empowering, wonderful ways to experience well-being in your body. It's going to look different for everyone. And instead of being only focused on the outcome of like, okay, I, I used to only want to look a certain way. Now I think about the process, not just the outcome, but how can I enjoy and even fall in love with the process of caring for myself? You know, for a while, I didn't even think I deserved to care for myself. And so, you know, you kind of have to approach th things one step at a time, depending on your experience, what's going on in your mind and, and you know, what you believe, um, but it's so worth it. And like I said, one of the biggest benefits is I feel free now and, you know, independent to make decisions about my well-being and, you know, to not feel like I'm going to uh, fall victim to, uh, you know, what maybe a bunch of other companies or movies or influencers or media are trying to tell me about myself. And that's like, wow, the confidence. Whew. And people recognize it too. They're like, oh, you've really honed your power. And I'm like, yeah, I have. Come along. Find your own. This this feels great over here. Yeah. That's, that's amazing to just make the deliberate decision to, I don't have to believe this. I don't have to believe in this anymore. But it's such a struggle. Even my girls, they're 12 and 14. And to watch them already think certain ways about their bodies. Yeah. Um, I know. I remember I was like seven and I already was nervous about the way, you know, certain parts of my body looked. And I had friends who looked different ways than me. And I thought, you know, they looked better. And I, so I, I know that it, it goes so deep. Um, and it's still worth introducing these other ways of of thinking these other possibilities because then you know you at least feel like you have an option and sometimes with negative thoughts or limited beliefs you know people will say oh use affirmations just to you know shift your mindset well in reality sometimes if you've only thought of it one way when you say the affirmation it almost feels like it's not not true or it's hard to believe or you're lying to yourself but really it's just because you haven't practiced that thought as much so the groove in your brain isn't as deep and so I used to think okay if I've spent a month saying you know the negative belief then let me at least give myself a month to say a new more positive belief and level the playing field and then after that I can at least have the option of what story 
I want to believe. Um, but you know, it's it's worth presenting new, uh, encouraging affirmations um, when you're experiencing those, uh, you know, lower or more painful thoughts, because uh, it it does cause real pain and discomfort and you know, we want to find the ways to be able to, you know, feel better about ourselves and understand we are lovable just as we are. We are worthy. We are enough. Um, there's nothing wrong with us. And like, it, it's okay to to be human and to accept yourself exactly as you are. Yeah. And I think, I think along with those thoughts that you just mentioned to have inside our brain, I think before that we not only when it comes to companies, but we have to decide not to believe ourselves Mm -hmm. when our brains are telling us those negative things about how our body looks or what our body is compared to somebody else or how worthy it is or how worthy we are and what our value is. It's like, we Mm -hmm. still have, we have to make the decision to just not even believe our own brains. And I feel like that is so powerful too. When we decide, okay, brain, I'm not going to believe you. Because, right. because there's no upside to it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's wild how we form different thoughts and sometimes we, we think they're our own, but really it's still maybe something we heard from someone else or a message we received through, you know, a movie or what have you. And so, you know, just cause we have the thought, like you said, it doesn't mean that it's true or helpful and, you know, building that sense of self who sometimes I kind of picture like a, a wiser, older version of myself who's figured it out. And I'm like, what would they say about this? And usually it's pretty encouraging and it's pretty compassionate. And I realize, oh, okay, I can kind of use that as a guiding light here and they seem to be looking out for our best interest. Um, and it seems also like they understand, hey, it's hard growing up, but eventually don't worry, you'll you'll figure out that, you know, insert wise words that here. And so sometimes that's been helpful for me too, when I hear the negative thought and I feel like it's hard for me in the present moment to find a positive alternative. I might either ask someone. I trust who's, you know, a little bit more experienced than me, or I'll even just check in with that older version of myself in my head and say, okay, what, what would you, you know, what do you think about this? Sometimes that's been helpful. Yeah. I love that. My version usually just tells me you're going to be fine. (laughs) Oh, okay. So you are doing some amazing work. Tell us about movement genius. Yeah. Movement genius is an online platform. You can find hundreds of videos that have um, stress relief techniques, anxiety relief uh, techniques, and some movement classes um, to help improve well-being. And what I love is that it's taught by a a huge variety of instructors. um, And we wanted intentionally to have instructors who understood what it means to, um, you know, live in different kinds of bodies and have different kinds of experiences. So, you know, we have instructors who are straight, who are queer. We have instructors who are non-disabled, disabled. We have instructors who are people of color, who are white. And it's been a beautiful way for more people to see like, ah, an example of what well-being can look like on someone who 
might share some of my experiences. And what I love is we have these different categories and there's a getting started category. If you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing here and I've never done anything like this. And you can learn 10 stress relief techniques in under 10 minutes a day. And by the end, you're like, okay, I've got a little toolkit. And then we also have like mental and emotional health tools that are designed by uh, therapists. So little, you know, series on like perfectionism or like what to do when anger feels really overwhelming or like facing fear. Um, And then the movement classes, I know a lot of people assume that that means fitness, but actually movement is so much broader than just working out. So we have, you know, these techniques that help your whole body and your mind feel better. Um, And, you know, you can, you can kind of adjust the intensity and the pace to whatever works for you that day. So yeah, it's, it's a blast. We love hosting live classes every week as well. And people are welcome to join and uh, we have a different instructor every week. Yeah, that's amazing. As I've done the work that I've done, I've just realized what a lack of resources there are to to help the teens and the youth mm-hmm. with with the struggles that they're facing nowadays. And so I just think this is an amazing platform. It's helping so many teens. If teens are interested in learning about the program, where do they go? And I'm going to put this in the show notes too, but if they want to check it out, where do they go? Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram at movement genius, and you can also go to our website and you can hop in for just a single class if you want to just try one, or you can sign up and get all the hundreds of videos that you can use on demand. Um, But definitely, you know, recommend checking it out and finding something that feels good for you. We have another series I was just thinking called At Your Desk. And sometimes if you're in like a long study session or you know you want to take a 10-minute break, but you don't know what to do, um, we have these little 10-minute videos that just guide you through some simple movements, um, help you feel better so you can refocus and and get the studying done and get on with your day. (laughs) I love that. Instead of like distracting yourself with something that's (laughs) not helpful, like eating a bowl of ice cream. (laughs) Occasionally ice cream feels like the best solution, I will say. But oftentimes there are other things that seem to to help us focus better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. I love this. You guys check out the show notes um, and I'll put all the information in there. So much great help offered in there. And I'm super, super excited about the work that you're doing and the youth that you are helping. It's pretty amazing. And um, likewise, if you could go back and give your teen version some advice, I always love to ask my guests this, what would you, what advice would you give that teen version of yourself? Like wow. now you're that future person, right? Where you can yeah, go back right? and be like, okay, here's what I want to tell you. Yeah. Well, first I think I would just give them a hug yes. because I know as a, as a younger person, I actually did not like physical touch at all. I did not want to be hugged. Um, but if I trusted someone, uh, I was open to it. And I think I really needed that. I felt really uncomfortable in my skin and afraid to open up to people. And so I, I would love to provide 
a trustworthy presence um, and just like a warm hug. And then I think also I would encourage my younger self to shift the energy that I was putting towards comparing myself to other people to exploring um, who I was and like who my authentic creative self is um, because I feel like I spent so much time just trying to be cool according to someone else's standards that now I'm like just getting a start on, you know, hobbies that I actually really like. And I remember a few of my friends figured it out at a younger age and they were, you know, exploring different things and whether it was makeup and fashion or, you know, experiencing gender identity or, you know, it was a lot of exploration and experimentation in, you know, healthy and and safe and creative ways. And uh, I wish I started that sooner. So I think I would encourage my younger self to really like tap into what you find exciting and joyful and, and fun and interesting. And that just would, I think it would have felt like a much more fun use of my time and energy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also like such a hard time in your teen years because all you want to do is fit in and not be rejected and be normal. And I think it's so amazing. Like if you're a teen and you can really, really hone in on who do you want to be and figure out what's right for you, I think that just sets you up for so much success in the future is having confidence in yourself. And even though you're different or you're not like, you don't look like everybody else, but still loving that version of who you really want to be. And that's such, such great advice, Allison. I love that. I probably totally botched it up, but you said it way better. No, that's great. And I, I'm, I think it's exciting too, when you discover something that you genuinely enjoy and also like, it's lifelong where I'm still going to be figuring out things that I like and it's going to change over time. So it's not like we have to figure it out and keep it that way. It's just almost like cultivating this ability to be able to check in and see what feels true versus maybe "Mm, that's not, that doesn't quite feel like me. And of course we're going to have stuff in life where we have to do things we don't feel like doing or do things that, you know, aren't our highest joy but you know for the areas where we do have choice um how exciting that we get to explore and that includes you know trying things that feel like oh my gosh this was amazing and things that you're like okay i tried it three times and i just don't think i like volleyball you know like i just don't <laughs> think that's my thing um but then you try you know crocheting and it's like the first time is the best so you know i think it's it's leaving room for the fluid experimentation and if you can and and it feels possible you know connecting with people who do have some shared interests and you know forming those close bonds like we cannot we cannot do this alone we absolutely need community we need support and i often felt really lonely and isolated in my younger years and so I really wish that I I dared to, you know, build more friendships, even just one close friendship. It doesn't have to be a lot of people, but just the chance to 
see someone else and feel seen and understand someone else and feel understood. Like that's so healing and nurturing. And especially, let's say, if you experience any kind of bullying, it's important. My friend reminded me this yesterday. It's important that you also have some people who know you deeply and care about you deeply and can remind you who you are. So you don't just have to combat the negative thoughts yourself, but you have loved ones who are saying, yes, no, we see you. We know you're more than what this person is saying. So you know, make sure that, that you don't try to do it all alone. And I'm speaking to myself when I say this, because that was definitely me. And I'm finally learning. And it feels so much better to do this with other people. Yeah. I just want to say, and maybe this is weird, but I'm so proud of you. Yeah, like, I you. can tell that you've done a lot of work. And just listening to you talk and the awareness that you have, like, what a great example you are to so many of overcoming and really advocating for people who are struggling and I love it. So I am proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. you. I received that and I'm so grateful for the growth. Ooh, it's, you know, life is still complicated and still complex, but I am so grateful um, where I am today and from where I, I came. And yeah, that's why I'm totally rooting for everyone to experience their own transformation because on the other side or along the way wow like you start to gain access to joy and to you know love and in new kinds of ways and confidence and there's a lot of beautiful fruit um but yes sometimes at first you're just planting the seed and you're watering it and you're like i don't know where this is going i can't see what it's going to become yet so you know just keep keep the practices up and you know know that I'm, I'm rooting for you every step of the way. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. You are awesome and amazing. And I appreciate you for coming on the podcast and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, do you want more? If you are ready to work with me in one of my coaching programs for teens, check out my website, knowingup.com. That's K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com. Whatever you are struggling with, whether big or small, I can help. We learn so much more in my programs than what is offered here on the podcast. Come join me, you guys. See you soon.